Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. I'm sure you've heard like crazy this week marks one year. I mean, you've been hearing all the news stories and all this stuff. This week marks one year since our lives were turned upside down and right side up and left side and right side. And I just, it's been in my heart all week to just be fitting. Can we just, you can sit, you can stand, but can we just give God a praise that he brought us through a year? Come on, come on. You, you might be walking with a limp, but you're still standing here today. You might have a few battle scars, but you're still standing here today. You might have had those moments when you didn't think you were going to make it. But guess what? It's a year later, and you're still standing here today. Somebody give God some praise. Somebody give God some glory. Somebody give God a shout. Because maybe a year ago, you didn't think you would still be here. But here you are. Come on, give Jesus praise. The words of the song say, into the darkness. We rise out of COVID. We rise out of cancer. We rise out of diagnosis, out of trouble. We rise not because of what we do or who we are, but because our God is greater. Our God is stronger. There is no one higher than him. Come on, praise him in this place. seated if you want or you can still stand if you want I don't care musicians stay right there would you please just stay right there we, we, we they popped in to visit us drop us some good beef jerky and we got caught up with a brother from the Dominican Republic and we joined hands at the end there and had a moment of prayer and I got to tell you the Lord just dropped this phrase right into my heart out of nowhere as we were praying and, and, and it's been on my heart all week and I want to share that with you today as I was preparing to share that with you, it was almost exactly what Nancy shared during worship. So I believe the Lord really wants somebody, it's probably more than one, to hear this. But I got to set it up before I tell you the phrase or it won't make any sense. Have you ever been to a concert or a venue or a theme park before it opens and the gates are shut and you got to stand in line? How many of those people are here today? You guys are always early. You're always here. How many of you guys are? Nah. Okay. I mean, so you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I was reminded of a story of a movie of, of a young lady. You've probably heard the story or, or seen the movie. If not, you need to familiarize with the story of Ruby Bridges. And it's a story in this, in the way the movie depicts it. It's a little young African-American girl in the 50s and 60s in Alabama, I believe it was, that was going to a school for the first time, integrated and mixed, whites and blacks. And that community didn't like it. And there's a scene I will never forget, and I'm going to give you that phrase, and this is what's going to help you. Uh, there's a scene i never forget when that little girl walks up to the school steps, and she's greeted by the sheriffs. They stop her at the door, and this little girl is escorted. This little girl, she's six, seven years old, and she, but she's escorted by federal agents. And she goes up to the school, and the, the, the sheriff or whoever was there says, by the authority of the governor of the state of, I believe it was Alabama, we will not permit you to enter. And I love when a federal agent moved that little baby girl to the side and said, I thank you for that, sir. But by the authority of the president of these United States, get out of my way. The phrase that the Lord told me to share with you this morning is he is about to give somebody permission to pass. You've been standing at the gate. You've been looking at your blessing. You've been smelling your blessing. You've been sensing your blessing, but the gate is shut. And every time you try to go, the gate is locked and you rattle it. And the Lord is saying, I'm about to give somebody permission to pass. The gate is open. The walls are down. The blessing is coming. The glory is coming. Permission to pass. You've fought long enough. You've been resisted long enough. And God is saying, let me get in your way. Because this devil is too big for you. I am bigger than this devil. The Lord is saying, permission to pass. Come on, if that's you, just grab a hold of that. You might be at home, drop that in the chat. Permission to pass. Because if God be for you, all 
walk. Come on, Pentecostals. If God be for you, it's time we start believing that church and not just saying it because it's church etiquette. If God be for you, come on, let's make that our theme this year. How many's with me? How many's ready to pass? How many's ready to pass? How many's ready to pass? Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your glory, for your honor. Father, we thank you for your authority. Lord, that we've been resisted long enough. We've been opposed long enough. We've been battling long enough. And the breakthrough is right here. And Father, we claim that word today. It's time. Now is the time to arise together as Pastor has given us this word. And Father, as we dig into your word this morning, I pray that your spirit would continue to be here. Speak through me. And as one brother said, speak in spite of me. But let this word go forth and change our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody say amen. Thanks, guys. You can go. Listen, I'm going to be very honest with you guys. We are going to be doing communion here in a few moments. So for those of you at home, um, grab some elements. Even if you don't have the proper elements, listen, you can grab some crackers and water or some Wonder Bread. You can do whatever you want to do. But uh, we're going to have elements here. So I am not going to get through this message in its entirety. I'm, I just i am not. And I don't have handouts. I, I thought about it late last night. I know pastor's done that before. And, and um, I, I just, I, if, I don't have handouts. So if you're interested in getting... These, the rest of this outline, thank you, sir. Just email the church office. You can even do that right now. Grab your phone, go to the church website. There's a contact button. Just contact us, and I'll email you a version of these outlines. If you don't do email, call the church office on Tuesday, and uh, Miss Lindsay, our, our new secretary, will take, take your contact info, and we'll print you off some copies for Wednesday. If you don't want them, then don't bother. But if you want them, because uh, I'm not going to get through all this stuff, but I believe it will bless your heart. So it's been one year since COVID came and I came across my phone and, and, and you know, I was trying to communicate to the various ministries and I found myself texting them, writing. So finally I made a little video and I just said, hey guys, we got, you've probably heard in the news, we got this thing called COVID-19. We, you know, we're, we're, I, and I set the whole thing up. I came across that video just a few days ago. I saved it in my phone and I'm thinking, in the video, I watched it. In the video it said, you know, probably for a couple of weeks, we're just gonna kind of step back for a little bit. That's exactly what I did. I'm all happy in the video. I'm like, you ain't got no idea, boy. And here we are, limping through, but we're, I'm going to preach a whole message on that permission to pass. I tell you, that's just burning in my heart because I don't know about you, but I am so ready. I am so ready to move into what God has for me. But this morning, we're going to continue the series of table talks. Man, I, I'm loving this, man, because this is bringing some topics and some issues home. And like I said, I'm not going to have time to get through this entire outline, so if you, if you kind of want to know kind of some of the scriptures and points, just email us. So go to the book of Luke, and I'm not going to have you stand again. We've been doing that up and down a lot this morning, and I'll give you guys a rest. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10. Let's just go ahead and read this. Listen, this is a very, very familiar portion of scripture. Very familiar portion of scripture. You've probably heard it taught, preached, wheezed, sung, hollered 100,000 times. But we're going to, this is the message of the, of the day, so let me ask you to please listen and read with fresh ears and eyes. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went and they entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, please tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your presence. We just ask, God, that your word is already anointed. But, Father God, I pray that you would anoint these words that come out of my lips as I hide behind the cross this morning. Father, change our hearts with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about the topic this morning, table talks. I love this because we're talking about tables. We're talking about food, we're talking about fellowship, we're talking about friendship, we're talking about food. <laughs> do you realize that breaking bread and, and, and having a meal together is one of the most intimate things you can do with somebody? It just is. Think about it. All of our get-togethers involve some kind of food. we got the family coming in from out of town, we make a special dinner. It's a nice day outside, we're going to fire up the grill. Uh, it, you got a game on TV, you got all these things. And food is a way for us to bond and get together and to see, you know, you like that much salt on your food? You like that much pepper on your food? You like that much sauce on your food? It's a very intimate thing because it reveals a lot more intricate things about your personality than you may, you may understand. Um, I'm, 
I was going to go down another rabbit trail of that, but I'm not going to this morning. But that's just the truth. Mealtime, when you share a meal together, it really shows a part of who you are. And I love this because God ordained it this way. God ordained feasts. God ordained celebrations. In fact, we were just talking about this. I can't remember where I was, but I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. And we had this whole discussion about, is God fun? And most people that don't know God outside of the church, maybe even inside of the church, you don't understand how fun God is. God invented food. God invented celebrations. God invented SEX. God invented everything. And so the world tries to get us to just understand that nothing fun is of God, nothing good is of God. In fact, God told the children of Israel to have these feasts. Some of these feasts lasted for two weeks. Come on, somebody. Imagine having Thanksgiving for two weeks. You know what I'm talking about? God ordained it that way. And some of these feasts were back to back. So when you're done with one, you clean up and start another one the next day. Listen, let me tell you something. We got a saying around here that we haven't said in many years. So let me see if you remember it. There's no high like the? That's right. The old song used to say, there's no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't? Okay, got a few of you here today. Some of y'all remember. Break the cobwebs off the brain. But we're talking about food, and I think it's so interesting because food can also depict the type of event it is. You got wings, you got burgers, you got dip. Where do you think you are? Tailgating, watching the game, whatever. You got mastacholi, chicken breast, rolls, and green beans. Where are you at? See, see how that goes? You got turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, green beans. You got greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes. Come on, somebody, you know where you're at. That's how powerful food is. And if it's that powerful, it's got to be real important. So I want to minister to you on the, along the lines of this thought. Spiritual heartburn or a spiritual heart ablaze? Let me show you what I mean by that. I got my table here, and I hope I can do this without knocking all my illustrations. Now, let me just tell you. This is my least favorite day of the year, the day after whatever this is. I don't know if we're in daylight savings time or coming. I, I don't, I, this is stupid, okay? So I don't know, so if I'm out of sorts a little bit. How many else is just out of sorts today? Anybody? Come on, welcome to the next two weeks. That's just the way it's going to be. Cut myself shaving so the camera don't get zoomed. People have a thing on my face. It's just one of them days. My, 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 my tablecloth came out crooked. We got people being late. We got all kind of crazy stuff. Okay, so let me show you what, what I mean by this message today. And I got two covers. I think one of them got stepped on. Okay. Spiritual heartburn or spiritual heart ablaze. So I got a little display set up for you. And I knew that was going to happen. So this is what I mean by that. Food is very powerful. For many, many years, Pastor Eddie and I were in the same industry. We were working two jobs. And, and I was working, a, a, we were, the industry we were in was sales rep uh, for food companies. And so we found ourselves on the road a lot at 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. There's not a whole lot to do other than, come on now. So in between my stores, I would have a, a I, I, would, I knew I needed to have something fast. I needed to have something hot. I'm not eating a bologna sandwich at 5.30 in the morning. I need something hot. I need something satisfying. And over the years, I became what's known as a dashboard diner. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm not turning this into a fitness thing. Don't, don't get all nervous. I'm not. But as you see on this table, I got a few of my favorite snacks that were with me. I got some Doritos. I got a McDonald's bag with the bonus grease. I got my takeout cans. I got my pizza box. I got all my stuff. This food right here, it looks good. It smells good. It tastes good. And it does nothing for you. In fact, after eating this over and over, I realized I needed a little thing called Tums or Rolaids or bring out the big guns and have some Prilosec that lasts all day. Last year we went on vacation, and, a, and this kind of caught up with me. Last year on vacation, we're, we're going, we went to out of town, we rented a cabin, we're doing this thing, we're buying all this food, and someone said, anybody get the Maalox? I said, you know, there's something wrong. If we got to have extra medication for when we're eating, you know, we got we to make some changes, and so we did. But on the other side of the table, you got some fruit, you got some greens, you got some lemons, some oranges, you got some protein shakes, you got some fresh farm eggs. There's a difference between the different types of meal. I quickly became aware that just because something's convenient, it doesn't mean that it was good for me. In fact, in fact, I realized that the better the meal, usually the longer the preparation time. 
The better the meal, the more thought that went into it. But we do the same thing in our spiritual walk, guys. We live in such a fast-paced society that we're just willing to grab a quick word, a quick song. Matter of fact, if the video's too long, I ain't even going to watch it. Matter of fact, when I open the post and it says, read more, swipe, swipe, swipe. We want a quick song. We want a quick fix. We don't want to read a chapter. We want the verse on our dashboard of Bible Gateway. Come on, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. I remember an aunt years ago, she had this thing called our daily bread in the cabinet, and she had this little, it was a little, little dish that had one little uh, verses in it, one little verses on it, and she was saying uh, how she would go by that and she'd get her word for the day. My dad said, that's nothing but a Christian horoscope. Get your Bible out and study a passage. <laughs> wonder why we never went back down to her house. I don't know. No, we did. She laughed and had a good time about it. But that's the way that it is. We want a, we want a, a drive-through blessing. We want the pastor to preach fast. We want the worship to be short. But we want full impact. That's why we're dealing with spiritual heartburn. That's why we're dealing with spiritual indigestion. And your head hurts, your stomach hurts, your back hurts, and you don't know why. It's because spiritually you are malnutrition. Spiritual heartburn or a heart ablaze. So... This table talk I love that Jesus has with Martha is so powerful because I believe this is a microcosm of everyday life. Listen, Bethany was a place that Jesus visited quite often. In fact, Jesus was very good friends with Mary, Martha, and her brother Lazarus. He was very good friends with them. Now listen, Martha always gets the short end of the stick on the story. But listen, we need some Marthas. We need the people that can organize. We need the people that can delegate. We need the people that buy the good paper plates for the family barbecue. You know what I'm talking about. Come with the Dollar Tree wax paper, paper plate, the gravy and baked beans spill all over. Now listen, if that's all you can do, God bless you. I'm not hating on you, but you know what I'm saying. Uncle Cheapskate shows up. Everybody's bringing all the stuff, and I'll bring the paper plates. Like, babe, you know, you know I'm not bitter. You know what I'm talking about. So listen, but we need the Martha. Listen, it was Martha who invited Jesus. We need the Martha, but listen, she had something that was off. Now listen, she, Martha was doing all the cleaning, all the cooking, all the entertaining. How many understand the pressure that goes into, you know, when you entertain? You have pressure. We had hosted the sectional council here at this church. You talk about pressure, there was pressure to make sure that everything went well and, and it was the first one. And it was, what a week, man. Um, it was a wonderful time, though. But you know what I'm talking about. We all got that one family member. We all got that one kid that just seems to disappear at cleanup time. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, they got ninja skills. Like, all right, guys, it's time to clean up. <laughs> Crickets chirping, darkness, quiet. You don't even know where they went. I mean, they're just like, woo, like ninjas. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know what I'm talking about? You got that person that just ain't going to help you do nothing. They want to come, they want to eat, they want to leave. Like the grasshoppers in Bug's Life. They come to eat, they leave. They come to eat, they leave. I ain't even nowhere near this message. And we got communion in about 10 minutes. How am I going to give me some time? I, come on. I'm not going to just waste your time, but I gotta, you got to give me a minute. Okay. So this is the setting. Now, I love this because Bethany, without boring you with a bunch of theological, chronological, ideological things, let me just tell you this. I love the Bible because it's so relevant. If you don't think it is relevant, you're reading it wrong. Sure. Pastor says that a little more bluntly. If you think the Bible's boring, you're boring. Because that is so true. Because I love the first thing I do when I study a passage, and I'm just telling you what I do. The first thing I do is I get my lexicon and my concordance and my maps and my resources, and I start reading about the setting. If it wasn't important to understand where it took place, the Bible would never contain where it took place. You, this is what I'm trying to tell you about. This is not a story about sibling rivalry. This is not a story as much as it is about someone needs to get right with God. This is not one-dimensional. This is a little micro, like I said a few minutes ago, it's a little, a little snapshot into life. This was real life. These were real people having a real party, and there was an issue going on, and Jesus was present. Let me show you what I mean. I looked up the word Bethany. Now, Bethany is a little town that's on the slope of the Mount of Olives. The pictures look beautiful. I haven't seen it in person. Did you guys see that when you went to Israel, Bethany? It, 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 I'm sure it was beautiful. The pictures look beautiful. But did you, I'm going to show you something I found fascinating. There is great disagreement in the theological world and the commentary world about even what the name Bethany means. Meanings are very important in the Bible. Meaning Bethel and, and in other cities, Jericho, Jordan River, they have special meaning. God does this to make the Bible come alive. There's types and shadows all in the Bible. There's secrets all in the Bible. Do you know what the word Bethany means? 
Nobody knows because it can't be translated in other, in other languages. The theologians have narrowed it down to two definitions. Guess what they are? I can't make this up. Guess what they are? Number one, the house of poor or the house of misery or the house of frustration. <clears throat> Martha. Or number two, Yah has been gracious. Mary. Do you get that? You get what I'm saying? So you've got one town that literally means the misery poorhouse or Yah is gracious. You've got one family with one sister that's miserable poorhouse, but yet God is gracious. You've got two, fam two members in the same church service, one's half asleep and one is crying and bawling and taking notes. You've got two people at the same Bible study, one's playing Candy Crush and one has got three different apps going on their Bible. How much further do I got to keep going? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because this is the problem. The problem is not the surrounding. The problem is not your name. The problem is not always where you come from. The problem is with who you are. You've got one sister that is refreshed and revived and sitting at the feet of Jesus. And you've got another sister who's aggravated, frustrated, pointing fingers at everybody and shooting bombs. Look straight ahead right now. Don't be nudging that spouse. Don't be looking at your teenagers sitting in the back. You just look straight ahead right now. This is so powerful. Listen, and again, I ain't going to get through all this stuff, but there's a scripture in Hebrews that says the gospel was to no effect to the children of Israel because it was not mixed with faith. You could hear the word preached 24-7, but until you mix it with faith, it ain't going to do you no bit of good. Not one bit of good. You could take that cake and you could put in the butter, the oil, the flour, the whatever it goes in and put that in the oven. But if you never turn the oven on, that cake's going to sit there to the rapture. And if you didn't make it, then you might turn the oven on. Listen, I love this because, so what is the table? The table is not just a table of junk food or the table of nourishment. Jesus' table is a table of truth. Jesus' truth is not like our definition of truth. Our definition of truth can sometimes be rude. Well, that's the truth. We say something mean. Well, that's just the truth. No, 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 my friend. If you're not a Christian, I can understand that. But if you're a Christian, the Bible says you must speak the truth. Let your discernment be rooted in. Oh, you know, maybe that's not a real popular one. Some of y'all didn't even know that scripture. Let your discernment, let your judgmentalism, let your label machine maker be rooted in love. Jesus was able to speak truth because he was getting ready to die on a cross for that person. Are you? To be quiet. That's just the way that it is. Jesus' table is a table of truth, but I love this. Jesus' table is a place where truth and mercy meet. What powerful attributes in the universe. Truth, but mercy. Truth, but mercy. It's one thing to confess the truth and deal with the consequences, but it's another thing to have be met with mercy. Remember one time when I was a kid, I lost, my mom had bought me a ring. Don't hate on me. She bought me a ring. It had my birthstone in it. I was so proud of that possession, and I lost it. I'm speeding up the story. I lost it, and I was so afraid to tell my parents, and I'll never forget. I kind of was hiding it for a couple days, and my parents could tell that something was wrong. I'll never forget my dad came to me and said, now, boy, what's wrong with you? I said, Dad, I don't even know if my dad remembers this. I said, Dad, I lost the ring. I thought I was going to get beat. I'm just going to tell you the truth. We didn't have, uh, I, that's the way it was in my day. And my dad looked at me and he grabbed me, he, he gave me the biggest hug. He could, said, son, it's just a ring. It's okay. I've lost wallets. I've lost watches. And in that moment, truth was met with mercy. I ended up finding that ring years later, but whatever. But let me get back to what I'm saying. The table of truth is where mercy and truth meet. Listen, junk food doesn't work. If you're sustaining yourself on spiritual junk food, on spiritual fast food, you're eventually you're going to have spiritual indigestion. We need to come to the table of truth. Listen, the meat of God's word is the only thing that is going to feed us and nurture us and sustain us spiritually. Babies eat every three hours. Doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the night. How many remember those days? How many are still living in those days? Every three, I mean to the minute that alarm clock goes off. You know what I'm talking about. That's how we sometimes can be in the church when the Lord is saying, listen, it's time to take the spiritual pull-ups off. You've been in the church long enough. Put on some big boy pants. You know what I'm saying? It's time to take the bottle down and get a fork and a knife and quit living on Doritos and learn how to make yourself a smoothie or an omelet with some greens and some eggs. You know what I'm talking about. Listen, this, 
is what's going to help us grow spiritually. We need to come to the table of truth with ourselves. I love because Martha fully expected Jesus to take her side. She fully expected Jesus to get onto Mary and, and to put her down and say, you're right, you need to help your sister out. Instead, no, Jesus looked at her and he said, you leave Mary alone. You are the one who is troubled. You are the one. Listen, he looked at her point blankly and he said, you are the one with the problem. Listen, sometimes we need to understand we don't need another preacher. We don't need another wife. We don't need another husband. We don't need another song. We need to make changes within ourselves. Again, look forward. Don't be nudging us, spouse. We judge others by their actions, but we want to be judged by our intentions. If we don't like what somebody says, we just ignore them. We cancel them. We shut them down. We block them. We do whatever. I'm so glad Jesus did that. Because I think some people interpret the scripture, while we were still blasphemers, Jesus blocked us. While we were still... In our sins, Jesus told us to go away. While we were still headed for hell and broken and disgusted, Jesus rejected us. No, you know the scripture. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We want to walk in love. We want to receive love but not give it. We want to receive forgiveness but not give it. We want to receive patience but not give it. You're not walking in true love if you're not getting it and giving it. You're not walking in mercy if you're not giving it, getting it and giving it. The list goes on and on. It's time that we take a look in the mirror. Some of the best thing we could do is look ourselves in the mirror and say, you don't know everything before your spouse says it to you and you get all bent out of shape. How many of y'all got one? No, don't even raise your hand. You don't know everything. Look yourself in that mirror. Looking at the man in the mirror. You don't know everything. Let me just tell you something. Did you know that who you act like is proof to who you've been around? I, how many of y'all remember when your kids are in school? Maybe you're there. I remember my kids would be in school. They'd come home from school. They'd be using sentences, not even like necessarily bad, but just talking differently. And, and using different phrases or just, one of my kids even changed the way they laugh. And we didn't know where that came from until parent-teacher conference night. And that parents and that teacher started laughing a certain way. And my wife and I looked at each other silently and said, that's it. That's where my, that's where my child got their laugh. You know what I'm saying? You, you round friends long enough, you start using their language. You start, listen, there's a story. When you look in the mirror, this is what's engaging. The Bible says that in the book of James that the word of God is like a mirror. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see Jesus? Do you see yourself? Do you see the weekend? Do you see the latest influencer? Do you see the late, whatever it is? Listen, in the book of Acts, write this down and read it later. Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, there's a, a long story of, of, of Peter and John that heal a man at the, at the church, okay? They get put in jail for it. Long story short, these guys at the very, at the verses of chapter 4, forget the reference of the verse, um, it says this, it said, they, they perceived these men as uneducated, but they've been with Jesus. They didn't have to say, I've got a Bible college degree, or I attend this youth group, or I attend this church, or I got the ROL shirt. Just simply by their behavior and simply by their speech, people were able to observe, yeah, they've been with Jesus. Friend, how about you? Because you can't eat at the table of goodness and produce wickedness. And you can't eat the table of wickedness and expect your body to be healthy. What are you doing spiritually speaking? In Revelation chapter 3, I've, I've never understood the scripture until recently. He says in Revelation 3.15, he said, I know your works are neither hot nor cold. And I, it's too big for me to read, but he says this. He says, because you say that I am rich and need nothing, don't you know you're naked? You're poor and you're miserable. Come and buy from me that you may live. And at the end of that, he says, behold, I stand at your door and knock. And if you invite me in, I'm going to come to your table. And so will the Father. So I'm going to give you a couple of arenas of life very quickly before we end. And again, I'm not going to get through all this. But the, the number one arena of life that we see in this story is the arena of conflict. I'm going to call it TIFF. Today's message is brought to you by the letter T. How many of y'all remember that? Nobody. All right. That's okay. Come on. Show me some love on live stream. Y'all got to help me. All right. Let me tell you something. As long as there are people, there's going to be conflict. Y'all could have amen a whole lot louder than that. As long as there's people, there's going to be conflict. 
who's the greatest basketball player of all time? See what I mean? <laughs> Listen, life is full of choices and conflicts. I love history and I love documentaries. I know I'm a nerd. Pray for me. But listen, I'm totally enjoying this History Channel series right now going on about the food that built America. How many ever watched any of those series? The people that built America, the food. Okay, so we're doing the food. And you learn the backstory of all these brands. It's fascinating. So I began to realize that, you know what, we have tiffs. What is tiff? Tiff is a petty disagreement by definition. Tiff is a petty disagreement. I'm going to keep going in just a minute. There are two types of people in this world. There are those that are creative, those that are fancy free, those that are just rainbows and skittles, those that are just happy, the life of the party, and just everything is just going to be fine. And then there are other people who are squared and beige. You know what I'm talking about. Beige jackets, beige coat, beige car. They're just people that are just everything's this way or that way, my routine. And you know what? They usually get married. How many know what I'm talking about? They say opposites attract? They do. So I began looking at some of these conflicts, talking about food. We got some great ones in our society. How about Pepsi or Coke? How about, listen, yes. How about ranch or Italian? Butter or margarine? McDonald's or Burger King? Chick-fil-A or Popeye's? Will somebody tell Wendy's and McDonald's to stop making a chicken sandwich? <laughs> My gosh. Chick-fil-A and Popeye's, they got it cornered. They cornered the market. Ain't no me no McDonald's. Stop. Okay. The Holy Grail. I'm going to see who my people are. Tabasco or Frank's Red Hot? You know what I'm talking about. I got some scriptures on the screen. Listen, these tips are all through our society. But listen, they can quench the spirit of God in our lives quicker than anything else. Look at Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I got to keep going. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. Who is them? Your wives. With understanding, giving honor to the wife as the more delicate vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Did you hear that? That your prayers may not be hindered. One time my wife got on my nerves real bad. I had to go for a drive. I said, Lord, why did you give me that woman? He said, because she's the only one that would put up with you. I turned the car around, went back home, parked it in the driveway. What else can be said? Next time we think we just got all that going on and they're dragging us down. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Not in the physical mirror, because that's part of the problem. Put on the spiritual mirror. Brothers, if there's discord in your home, God is not listening to your prayers. If you're treating your wife in the wrong way, God is not listening to no matter how much you want to pray in the spirit. 1 John 4, 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he can see, how can he say he loves God, who he has not seen? Some of y'all got that. Tiffs in our lives. We can't help what people do to us, but we sure can help how we respond back. I don't have time to dig into this. Uh, but I, I'd, I'd love to send you these if you want them. But listen, there are four loves. We know that. There's storge, eros, philea, and agape. You didn't know I speak Greek, did you? I don't. Greek? I, I don't. Storge is family love. Eros is romantic or sensual love. Philea is brotherly or friendly love. And the, and the fourth one, agape, God's unconventional love. I did a whole teaching in our youth group a few years ago on this. If you take all four of those loves and list them from top to bottom in the order I just read to you, it's amazing because, listen, the stronger the love, the more decision comes into play. This is what I mean. Storge is kind of the basic level. It's your family. We're all born with a natural love for our family. It's only over time that we decide we don't like them anymore. <laughs> but there's something. My brothers and I, we fight, we rumble, we tumble. But at the end of the day, if you've got a flat, I'm coming over to help you. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's family love. We love our parents. We love our family. It's not until life gets in the way that we don't. So that one's easy. Romantic? When I saw those brown eyes, I'm referring to my wife, my wife in the second row. When I saw those brown eyes in high school, my life was over. Because she told me. She said, we're getting married. My mama even pulled me to the side. Said, you see those brown eyes? You better grab that. Somebody's going to do your homework for you. I was like, mom. 
stuff just happens. You see that person, whatever, whatever, you know what I'm talking about? And if that hasn't happened yet, you just keep praying it's going to happen. But that romantic love, there's not much choice in it. It's like, boom, when it happens, it happens. I'm going to keep going. You got phileo love. It's brotherly love. I ain't got to be your friend if I don't like you. I'm not looking at anybody. Don't, y'all nervous. Okay. I don't, that's not a cheap, what I'm saying is that one's pretty basic because if we hit it off, we naturally become friends, right? So, but yet sometimes I got to give somebody a chance. I mean, rub me the wrong way, but I got to give them a chance. So there's a little more decision in that agape's love isn't based on feeling, isn't based on family, isn't based on brown eyes. It isn't based on anything. In fact, it's just the opposite because while we were yet sinners, so the strongest type of love is loving them when they don't agree with you. The strongest type of love is loving them when they've been hurtful to you, when they've been mean to you. I got to keep going. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Our root of our life has to be in Jesus. Jesus, when Martha came to him, he said, Lord, why don't you, why don't you help Mary get on the same page with me and help me? And we all know the story. The Lord said, you're the one with the problem. You got to get it fixed. You got to get it figured out. He's totally sidestepped her issues and got to the root. Can I tell you there's great victory when you learn how to sidestep your drama, sidestep your issues, and get to the root problem. Amen? The second arena of life is called time. Listen, look at this phrase. Time is the currency of life. If you never learn to manage it effectively, you will live a bankrupt life. COVID-19 came with some blessings in disguise. It really did. It takes time to know someone. It takes time to know someone. It takes time to know if that person is the person. You may feel it at first, but that could be a little Doritos after lunch talking. I have a little indigestion going. Give us some time, brother. Give us some time, sister. Give us some time. What's pastor say? The, what's worse than wishing you were married is wishing you weren't. Give it some time. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm trying to help somebody. Give it some time. Give it some time. Okay. Did you learn how to improve your time management during COVID when you couldn't do anything or go anywhere? Did you learn how to improve to prioritize things, namely Jesus? I don't know about you, but I feel that the life before COVID, 2019, was way too busy, way too hectic, way too full. On my phone, I love this because I have a weekly report and a daily report that comes to my phone that tells me my screen time. My kids hate this app on my phone. Parents, it's, you ought to get it. It's awesome. Get it for yourself. Have you ever looked to see how much time? It tells you how much you're on your device. And before you try to act like it's all Bible time, it tells you how, many, how much time you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're on YouTube, you're on Yahoo News, you're on Mail. Come on. Don't be afraid. Look at it. It will startle you most likely. How much time do you spend on Snap? How much time do you spend on games? How much time do you spend watching that entire season on Netflix in one night? But then yet we say we don't have time for God. We don't have 15 minutes a day. Are you kidding me? 15 minutes a day. This is what you're saying. God, I don't have time for you. What if God said, I don't have time for you? What if God treated us and our needs the way we treat him and his commandments? What if we came to God and God said, oh, man, Steve wants to hear from me again. Steve's got this need again. Steve is praying this. How would we feel? That's what we're doing to God. Martha was distracted. You know what that word distracted means? It means greatly troubled. Oddly enough, it means to drag around. The women went through a, a life study group here a couple of years ago through this topic, and that teacher brought out that that picture like a, excuse me, picture a wagon. And every issue in life is like putting a brick in that wagon. And every, every topic, everything, all your, your friends and your people's whatever, you put all these bricks in that wagon and you're driving this wagon around with you that's heavy and that's weary. Church, haven't we been through 2020 long enough? Haven't we been dragging around stuff long enough? Martha was distracted, but Jesus said, but Mary chose. The third thing is our tasks. What is your distraction? What is it that you're doing? That is draining you. Is it social distancing? Is it masks? Is it, is it financial trouble? Is it family trouble? Is it whatever? What is draining you? What is, is draining you? Now, this one I have to touch on the topic of knowing God because many of us want to know what is God's will for our lives. When we were youth pastors, that came up all the time. Even just the other day I had this conversation with, with, with an adult. We never outgrow this question. 
Let me just give you a little bit of truth right here. God is not so much in the do as in the who. Now, that's not supposed to be a Dr. Uh, Dr. Seuss book. God is not so much in the do as in the who. One of the easiest places to get cold in the Lord is actually in church. It's actually in ministry. That's one of the easiest places. i got to keep going. Our identity cannot be in what we do, but it has to be in who we are in Christ. What did we learn during COVID when our church building was taken away? Did we have to learn how to worship alone when we weren't relying on the sound of the crowd? We were exposed for how we worship. When we, we couldn't meet together and we had to read the Bible for ourselves, how did we respond to that? When we had to have family devotion time because we didn't have that event at the church, how did we respond to that? Listen, I believe God works through this situation more than we'll ever realize. How about when our ministry title was gone? Were we lost? Our ministry role, this is all, I, when that was taken away, were we lost? If you are, you were out of balance. The last thing is this, the throne of our hearts, the good part. The good part. This will be quick and then we're going to take communion because this ties into what we're doing. The throne of our hearts. Proverbs 11.1 1 says this. It says, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but, as, but a just weight is his delight. Somebody say balance. Life balance. I love that Jesus said, but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part, which is not taken from her. Let me ask you before I talk to the, because I can't wait to get to the good part. We're going to get to the good part as we're standing and taking communion, and we're going to be out of here. Give me your best ear for the next couple of minutes. I love this because you've got to be honest with yourself. Who or what is on the throne of your heart? This is very, we have to be very honest with ourselves. What is on the throne of your heart? What is that leading term you put after who? If I were to ask who you are in one word, what would it be? If it's anything other than a follower of Christ, you're out of balance. I say that with as much love in my heart because I have to do that. Because my identity can be brought up in everything. My identity can be brought up in my skill set. My identity can be brought up in my vocation. My identity can be brought up in my gender, in my race, in my culture, in my academic achievements or the lack thereof. We can put our identity on anything. And if it's not on Jesus and Jesus alone, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Only when you place Christ on the throne of your heart will you receive the blessing of his lordship. Did you hear what I said? We see this in our marriage vows. I love doing weddings. I, I get to do a few here and there, and I love doing it. And they come together because this is what happens. In the vows, they have this ring, and they say, with this ring, I thee wed. All that I have and all that I am is yours and mine, and we put the ring on it. And from that moment forward, their lives come as one. And, and we know the wives in our culture and even going back to ancient cultures would, would take the name of their spouse and they would become one. The problem is we want to do the same thing with God, but we want to stay hyphenated. The problem is this. We want, God, I want your ring. I want your blessing. I want your anointing. I want your favor. I want to prosper. But I just want to call my ex once in a while, you know, when you're busy. We want to live a hyphenated life, but we want to have the full blessings of God. When I was married to my wife, I, I graduated high school early. I got right into a vocational program. I got a really good job. I was working 45, 50 hours a week, 16, 17 years old. I was going to night school for this vocation program. I had bank. I had money. I bought myself a nice little Ranger. It was only two years old. Loved it, man. We're cruising through. A couple years later, I still had that Ranger. Got married. My wife... She had an old 1988 Cavalier that was primer gray, man. Looked sharp. Primer gray is not even a color for some of you that got lost. You know, the, I, the funny thing happened was we got married June the 3rd, 2000. On June the 4th, 2000, my keys to my Ranger were gone, and I had to take the Cavalier to work. This is what happens. When you become married with somebody, you're supposed to give your best to the other. And that is how your marriage is successful. And that is how our walk with Christ is successful. But if we're going to live a hyphenated name, get ready for a hyphenated blessing. Because the Lord ain't got no time for nobody that's not going to seek him with all their heart. Amen? We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Where am I at? The favorite part. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Worship team can come ready and get in place. It is not until the Lord is on the throne. I could talk about the good part all day. I could talk about the goodness of God all day. I could talk about the days of, my mind goes back to the days of revival. Especially when we were traveling with my father, we were in revival every single week for four or five nights a week. 
church and church, but it wasn't church, it was God. I remember worshiping and praising for an hour, preaching for an hour, being in the altars for an hour, go home, go to bed, go the next day and do it all over again. I can remember feeling the presence of God. I remember one time standing as if my knees were buckling under me as I'm trying to play the keyboard. I physically could not stand. I remember that we would have, at that time, my wife and I were children's pastors. I remember praying for those little boys and girls and they would fall on the floor and they would receive. I remember the times, let me tell you something, when you've had the good part, the other part, the, the off-brand chips don't work if you've been eating Doritos for long enough. That's how it is with church. I struggle with having church when God ain't there because I've seen when God shows up. I know when God shows up. Church can be dull without God. Let me tell you right now, if I'm living in a hospital that ran out of medicine, you think I'm going to stay there? Oh, the medicine knows where I am. People used to say that in the days of revival. We used to hate that. I ain't going to go to that church. God knows where I am. My dad would say, oh, I didn't realize your shadow was healing God. Who do you think you are that you ain't got to drive to another church if that's where God is moving? I'm going to rewind that. Let me tell you a story. My, the Markham family has a little bit of a kryptonite. It's called ice cream. You might have saw my brother's diabetes in a chocolate cone yesterday. My brother, myself, my mama, my dad, we have a little bit of a sweet tooth every now and again for ice cream. In fact, I used to work as a sales rep for an ice cream company, Haagen-Dazs, Edie's, Skinny Cow, once in a while. I know about ice cream. There's a story my mom and dad tell, and if you've been around River of Life, you've heard it. If you haven't, this is new. This is something that happened that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Now, I gotta tell you about my mama. My mama, I think, was saved when she came out of the womb. There's nobody like my mama. She's loving the Lord all her life. She's a wonderful woman of God. I'll never forget one Saturday afternoon, my mom, my dad, myself, we go to McDonald's to get a Sunday, And I'm a hot fudge guy. How many hot fudge guys you know what I'm talking about? My mom and dad are caramel people. That's okay. They like caramel, I like hot fudge. And I'll never forget this. We're sitting in the drive-thru. My dad orders the Sundays. We pull up to the window. My mom says, Lord, let them put extra caramel on mine. My dad is sitting there, ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. I'll never forget. I saw this happen. He said, now, Mary, do you think God really cares about your Sunday that much? She said, I think he does. We pull up to the window. The lady hands the hot fudge Sunday to my father. He reaches it back to me. He gives her one caramel Sunday. He reaches it to my mother. She gives him the last caramel Sunday. He takes it. As he's put in the car and drive, the lady said, wait. Give me her Sunday. She ain't got enough caramel on that Sunday. I kid you not. She took that Sunday back and doused it. I said, Mama, pray for me. Mama, pray for my hot fudge. To this day, I get a hot fudge Sunday. I say, Lord, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Mary. Give me some hot fudge on my Sunday. Speaking of my mother, she used to sing a song. And get your communion elements, because this is part of communion. Get your elements. Listen, COVID-19 made us put some Isaacs on the altar. COVID-19 made us put some stuff we worshiped on the altar. Don't be so quick to rebuild that now because I think God was putting to rest some things that needed to stay to rest. Some relationships, some career paths, some ministry paths even, some opinions, some things. Don't resurrect that. I, that's another message. I'm going to keep going. Speaking of my mama, we're already talking. When she gets through this cancer, she's going to come back. She's going to lead worship on a Sunday morning. You ain't gonna wanna miss that day. We're gonna be putting together some special songs, but I remember my mama used to sing this one song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let me remind you of your friend in Jesus. He is the good part. The blessing isn't the good part. The breakthrough isn't the good part. He is the good part. Now this works perfectly as we tie into communion. This is what we're going to do. They're going to sing a chorus and we're going to be done in two minutes. We are. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me just for a moment? Father, we know the other part of that song says, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out if you take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Father, we do that in this moment. I'm gonna ask everyone right here and those at home, I want you to take a minute right now and connect with God with your communion elements in your hand. 
He said, do this in remembrance of me. Memory is a powerful thing. As you get older, I'm told all you really have is your memories. Can we connect with God right now? Maybe you've been a Martha and God is saying, it's time to quit dragging around your stuff and be a Mary. Maybe you've been the one that's been busy and not having enough time for God. Maybe you've been eating too much spiritual fast food and your heartburn is too much. Can we connect with God over these elements right now? I need an element. I got an extra one. I want to bless these elements and we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to go home. Let's take our bread. Father, we thank you for what this bread this symbolizes your body that was broken and beaten for us, Lord. And Father, right now in this moment, Father, we just connect with you right now in this moment. Father, we put aside our idols, we put aside our, our other identities, and we take the identity of the cross right now in Jesus' name. Father, we remember and we repledge our life to you. Let's partake of the bread. We thank you for what this juice represents. This represents the blood. Lord, you loved us so much that you spilled your blood. Father, we take time right now to remember you. We take time right now to remember your sacrifice. We take time right now to remember. Remembrance is a powerful tool. We put ourselves in that place and in that moment right now where your blood flowed on that cross to wash our sins away. And Father, we repent for being too busy for you. Father, we repent for being too selfish for you. Father, we repent for blaming everybody else for every other thing when we have the issue in our hearts. Make that issue right right now in Jesus' name before you. Father, take this blood, take this juice. We recommit our lives to you. We repledge our lives to you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's partake of the juice. up against the clock so let's do it like this I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you and God bless you you can relieve our river kids the worship team is going to do another song if you want to stay in worship you can do that God bless you thank you for being here today Father we thank you for your presence that's here today in Jesus name Amen Death could not hold you Hail to